homesteads and homeschools as part of the Liberty Hippie Podcast Network. If you like what we do, be sure to check out This Week in Liberpods, Peace Freaks, Cannabis Heals Me, and Free Markets Green Earth. We're living proof that libertarian doesn't mean washed up Republican. What is up? Welcome back. I'm back. Glad you're back. We're all back. This is episode number 89 of Homesteads and Homeschools, and I'm I'm glad you've decided to join me for this week. I'm your host, the Liberty Hippie. So uh, this week, my guest is Miss Nicole Puckett. She is a, a homeschooling mom, and she homeschools, homeschooled quite a few children. The majority of those children came to her through adoption. And if you've listened to the show, you know that that is uh, something that my wife and I are involved in. And uh, I just wanted to kind of get her take on things because I, I, it is a different world. Um, and I wanted to get some of those ideas out there. And I wanted all of you to to hear some of them. And uh, I know if you all are considering adoption, maybe, or foster care, eh, maybe give you something to think about. I don't know. Anyway. I enjoyed myself, and I hope you guys do as well. So uh, let me know. Let me know. Just send me an email, homesteadsandhomeschools at gmail.com. But for now, we're going to go plant those liberty seeds with my guest, Miss Nicole Puckett. Today's guest uh, is Miss Nicole. She is uh, a homeschooling mother, um, and I, I had her on because we, we share a little bit of uh, commonality in that uh, we both have some adopted children, and I, I thought it would be interesting to get uh, that sort of perspective on things. If for no other reason, then then I'm curious, and I want to hear it. So if my audience is not interested, well, you guys can can go away. Nicole, thank you for, uh, for coming, coming on. I appreciate it. <laughs> Of course. Thank you for having me. So, um, yeah, you, you, uh, you've done the adoption thing and you've done the homeschool thing. Um, which, which came first? Um, we homeschooled first. We homeschooled, um, our two biological children until they were, well, all the way through, but we didn't start adopting until they were five and seven. All right. So you, did you start them out in a, a homeschool program or did they go to public school at some point? They were homeschooled, um, just at home. They were just, we had co-ops, things like that, but they were mostly just with me. Right, right. What, so what, and we decided when we adopted, we were going to carry that through. Okay. Why um, Why did you guys want to uh, homeschool? What? Um, a lot of things, but primarily, oddly enough, I hated school. I hated it. I hated being told what to do, what to think, where to be. I remember being in school and hiding classics behind my textbooks and getting in trouble. <laughs> I mean, I'm reading John Steinbeck in junior high and getting in trouble for reading behind my books. And, you know, that was a problem. My mom didn't like it either. So <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. It's uh, it's something I, it's not, you're not the first person to say something to that effect, right? Get, get in trouble for <laughs> learning. You lose your indi- yeah. And you lose your individuality. Yeah, for sure. 
for sure. Um, all right. So uh, your kids, you said you were five and seven when you started uh, the adoption process of things. Right. Right. And now those kiddos are 26 and 28. <laughs> so it's been a few years. So, so everybody survives. That's, that's good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, for the most part. <laughs> so uh, when, when you, how old were your, uh, the kids that you, when, when you adopted them? Um, um, our first set of our biological kids were five and seven. Our first set of adopted children, um, we were going to take one child under the age of three is what my husband said, just one. Okay. And I was like, all right, all right. Well, of course we get called with a sibling group and we fall madly in love with them. And they are, um, they were almost eight and two and a half. Okay. So they were, they were older. One was older than your, your bio kids. Okay. Yeah. She was eight months older. Yeah. And that's always something that um, I know when we signed up to do it, that was one of the things we wanted uh, uh, children that were younger than, than our bio kids. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of fall in that line is what, I mean, I don't regret it. I don't regret it, but I, um, I can see why they prefer that you don't, but I also knew that she was meant to be ours. And so the interesting thing is she and my biological daughter who were eight months apart are complete polar opposites. So there was really no comparison growing up. That's cool. That's cool. Our, our, uh, uh, so our, our son, who's the the oldest and then, um, the oldest of our, our adopted children, She's in the middle, and and they are identical, and it's uh, it's kind of funny. They're both both that like firstborn, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's it makes some 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 interesting yeah. times. Um, but so when when you first did you get them through? Um, did they come to you through like uh, foster care, or was it adoption straight up in the beginning? <clears throat> we I don't know how I knew this, but my dad um, was a Los Angeles sheriff, and he worked in the child abuse. Um, he was a child abuse detective for years. And so I went to court with him a lot and I was pretty involved in that when I was a young teen. You can't do that now, but I did it back then. Um, and so I always knew I eventually wanted to adopt. Um, but, um, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm curious. Cause, uh, when we, so our older two, we were homeschooling them and, um, uh, our, our oldest adopted child at the time there in foster care, she, uh, we wanted to keep her out to, to homeschool. And I think she was in pre-K at the time. Um, but they kind of told us we, she had to go to public school. Like we, we weren't allowed to do that. Um, right. And I, I wasn't sure if that was, do you come across that in the beginning or was no, that, how okay, did that? I'm sorry. No, I missed, I missed, a, I missed answering that part. No, they, they were all a domestic adoption. So they all came through the States, but they were all, and they all came through the foster care system, but they were, um, they were already legally free. So we requested at the time, I, I was like, I don't want to wait on a waiting list for a baby. I don't want to, we just wanted, we, we together decided that we were equipped to take the hardest children. And so we just took the children who were legally free and just waiting. Okay. All right. So, so you just, you could start homeschooling them when, when they came to you then it wasn't. Right. Yeah. I mean, we had to, we had to foster for a short time until the adoption was complete, but we were really blessed with the social workers we had because they all agreed that, because I pushed hard for that whole, um, okay. So they're moving at the time they were moving from Washington state to Montana my husband was in the military and I was like, there's no way I'm going to move them from this situation to another school, you know, new friends, new social workers, new therapists, all that. Um, let's just, 
move them over and let them let them just kind of connect with people that are right here in our immediate home. So that's what they allowed us to do with all of them. That's awesome. So it's, yeah. and that's it's such a big thing. You know, it doesn't sound like much, but you know, moving moving kids is difficult. You know, from one school to another, and when you're moving them, yeah, they already have that big move behind them, and then you know, it's just uh, if you can avoid mm-hmm. it, that's something they're barely functioning at that point i mean they've lost everything yeah yeah it's um i don't think you i don't know maybe people do but i feel like on the outside before you actually get in it's hard to really conceptualize how much has been lost you know and sometimes you i i find i think i take it for granted how much has been lost, right? You're a 12 month old little baby when you come, like, how much do you actually know? And it's amazing how much they actually do retain from just mm-hmm. that, that base. Yeah. Childhood. And that first three years is, that first three years is just crucial. It's funny. Uh, what are, uh, we're, we're not afraid of bugs. We have, you know, bugs. My, my son likes to keep spiders in, in jars and stuff. And uh, <laughs> there's a, a spider in the house and both of uh, our adopted children just like, freaked out like totally like it was you know wouldn't go near it wouldn't go down the hallway and it just that's nothing that they got from us you know and it's just it's so right. weird how those things pop up and you see them and you know but uh, yeah and then i have some that are much they're much more formidable and more um um brave about things like that than i am like i have you know i of course i think this is part of trauma too i have some that are willing to go zip lining and bungee jumping and all that as adults. And I'm just like, I don't know where you got that from because it <laughs> didn't come from me or your dad. <laughs> oh man. So, uh, how many do you, and uh, how many children do you have now all in all? We have 12. So we okay. have, um, yeah, we have the two, uh, biological and then we have 10 adopted children. Okay. And what, what ages, I guess, or what, what's the age range rather? So right now our oldest is our oldest adopted child is 26 and our youngest is 10. She'll be 11 on Monday. Um, yeah. And then our oldest biological is 28 and we have one grandson from our 26 year old daughter and um, he's a baby. And then we have another grandson and a new foster granddaughter who are both in Uganda with our oldest biological daughter. If wow. that makes sense. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah it's quite a lot. It's big. It's big. It's uh... <laughs> yeah. Quite the outreach there. So that's, that's cool. Do you, so you've, I imagine um, it, it's pretty steady through in the ages then you have, how many children do you have home then I guess right now? It's really interesting because I feel like they came to us in the age range that they would have come to us biologically. Um, and one of the reasons we went into adoption after our second is because we were experiencing secondary infertility, whatever, you know, they want to call it. Um, and I always wanted to adopt anyway, but our age range is pretty much right now. The ones at home are, she'll be 11. So they are 11. Um, and then almost 13, 14 and 15. And then after that, our other daughter's turning 18 soon. Okay. And so you've, you've, you've homeschooled them the, all the way through then. Yes. I mean, we had, there were times when we had some in school, I call those seasons of rest for me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And we've tried the gamut of schools. We've done the teeny tiny Christian school. We've done the larger Christian school. We've done public schools, you know? Um, And we just, we did um, like a cooperative school. We just kind of ran the gamut of what was going to work for them at that time. And I can say that from one end to the other, it didn't, none of them really worked. None of them were a good fit for my kids because of their trauma. Okay. So 
what um what kind of spurred you to to get them into a a school of one nature or another what what was that kind of driving factor it was whatever they needed at the time and you know where we were financially at the time when we put them in this tiny christian school we had three kids there and you know they gave us a scholarship for them but we also had we had so many kids so you know your income doesn't spread as far when you have one parent <laughs> working and yeah. you've got 12 kiddos and so um we ended up putting them in the school and we loved it for the first part of it, but then I realized that they were so punitive with the kids and they were shaming them in front of the other kids. Um, and then we had a couple of them who gravitated towards chaos, of course, you know, you go to what you know. And so they gravitate to, towards chaos and then, you know, you'd have the, the teachers um, getting on them for things like turning around in their seat during class. We had a son who was constantly getting in trouble for that. And I was constantly being called into the office for him turning around in his seat. And I'm like, come on, even at lunch, he couldn't turn around in his seat. So that was that. So we, yeah. And then we had the two daughters who were always stealing. So I was always at the office looking through manila envelopes going, okay, so what did she take this week? We had like folders of what I had to go through and find out who it belonged to. So it just, it was, it was more work than it was worth, I think. Because then you have to deal with all the outside people and all the outside issues. Yes. That's, that's, um, our, our youngest two are, are in public school now. We tried doing homeschool last year. Um, and that is, it's only been a month. Um, and already I, I'm just, I'm feeling it, you know, all, all the stuff that you have to, to do all the, the, just the, the busy work that's not just on kids, but it's, it's oh. on the parents too. And it, it comes home and it's, it's wild. Um, but yeah, those six hours or seven hours of peace really don't add up when you've got two hours of homework with a kiddo whose head is not in the game. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, um, it's a strange uh, situation, at least for, for me on one hand, um, because there's so much chaos like that, that surrounds them, right? There's right. so much chaos that they create. Um, there's that little bit of quiet when I can kind of work with the other kids now. Um, yeah. And, you know, but at the same time, then there's, there's other chaos that, that, uh, you know, comes. How comes old are the light. two that are in school? Uh, four and six. Yeah. Four and six. But, it's a little uh, easier when they're that age. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I, I think so. I don't know. You always, and that's the thing. I'll waffle back and forth. You know, are you, are you doing the right thing? Are you not doing it? What do you, what are your, what's your rationale? What's your reasoning? You know? And, um, right. But, uh, so you, uh, when you, um, brought them back to, to your homeschool program. Um, mm-hmm. how, how was that transition? Did they, it was hard. It, it was hard. I mean, those, like I said, those seasons were a season of rest for me because like you said, I couldn't work with my other kids. Last year I had, um, my almost 11 year old, my 10 year old in a private school until, you know, COVID hit and all that. And, um, it was, it was great because I was able to work with the other kids. We had a lot of fun together. It felt like we were getting back to some normalcy because my 13, 14, and 15-year-olds have somehow escaped a lot of the trauma. Um, they had a biological grandmother who was very involved, very, very involved. And so I think that was a big factor in that. But it was nice to be able to just have fun with them. And you know, when, when the kids are home and they're hard, you use all your mental ener- energy. And I felt like when she was home, I couldn't get anything done. I was tired. I was unmotivated. 
I couldn't work with the other kids. But then when she was at school, I felt like this superwoman who could do anything. <laughs> <laughs> it just totally changes the whole trajectory of your day. Yes. Yeah. We just felt like it was time to bring her home because of some of the issues that she was having with those other students, but also the way that the staff was starting to treat her. So, yeah. Did you did, so she was in special ed then? Or she well, she was or? in special ed for reading and math. And I didn't think she was behind in those things, but, you know, they did. So, and I kept telling them she wasn't ready for certain things. And, um, you know, the biggest thing to, that I think that people don't understand when they adopt is that these kids aren't ready for what your typical um, um, developed child is ready for. So these kids aren't you know, their, their limbic system, their frontal lobe, everything is so, um, underdeveloped because of whether it's neglect, um, abuse, um, whatever it may be that was in their life, you know, um, separation from biological mom, that right there is enough, you know, for any child to, to have trauma. And so I think that they just didn't understand that, this was biology. This wasn't necessarily her behavior. This is her behavior stemming from this biology. And that that is something that uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain that I fail at. Yeah, um, it's hard. It's, it's hard. Just, it's so hard. Yeah. Like, I, I look at you. You're, you're six years old. You behave like you're six years old sometimes. And I expect that. And I have to keep trying to remind myself that uh, we're, we're not really six years old, you know, developmentally, we're, we're not quite there in, in some aspects of things. And it's difficult. It, it, it can be tricky. Um, you know, and you, you have to, I mean, you're always going to have different expectations for, for different children. Um, but it's just so drastically different that, um, it, it throws me sometimes. It's, and it's hard. And it's, you know, when people ask me about adoption and stuff, I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm really enthusiastic about it. I'm excited about adoption. I think it's beautiful. Um, especially when I see what my older kids have done with their lives, there's a couple of them that are, eh, but <laughs> you know, what the rest of them have done with their lives and what, how we were able to play a role in that, but watching God just be glorified in them trans their transformation into being able to be um, capable, beautiful, interested adults who are actually working within their giftings, which was a big reason I brought them home to homeschool is to make sure that we were pushing what their giftings were. Um, yeah. And that's, but it's, I, but, I, 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 but, <laughs> but wait, I'm going to interrupt you because there's a, there's a, there's a dark side to adoption that nobody talks about. And that's the fact that mothers and fathers are struggling all over the country who have adopted because people are looking at us like we're bad parents. How come you don't parent this child? Like you parent this child, you know, how come this child's needs are different than this child? You know, if you would just love them harder or give them more or, you know, and we're sitting here banging our heads against the wall going, going, you have no idea. Or my kid always does that. I don't understand why you're complaining about your six-year-old. My kids all did that at six. Well, Uh, did your kid have trauma? No. So the difference is that my kid's doing it persistently for 24 hours a day, maybe less the two hours they sleep. Your child is doing it a few. There's a huge gap between normal development and trauma development. It's, uh, it's funny that, uh, yeah, cause that's, that's a conversation that my, my wife and I have, uh, fairly, fairly frequently, you know, sometimes, you know, people are, are I think anybody's trying to be nasty or mean, no. like, oh yeah, my kid, kid does that, you know, and it's yeah. like, yeah, but like this is like 
all the time. And, and yeah. it's, it's like, <laughs> or, or exactly right. Like there's, there's different expectations in, in, in public, um, that like we're, we're getting in trouble, like, because we take our seatbelt off on the bus, you know, um, and just, and stuff like that. And it's, and like, I, if I ever did that as a kid, as a, as a student, like as a, you know, a child, like I would have been terrified, just terrified. And like our, our bio kids would never do that. Um, and it just is so commonplace for, for my son to do that. Um, it's just so weird. So different to, to try to juggle those two different balls completely. You know, it's just, a, it, I don't know. And I think it's really hard to explain to people too. Okay. The issue here isn't the seatbelt. The issue here is that, you know, with our daughter, when we would get complaints about really silly things at school, I was, I sat down with three teachers at once once and said, you know, here's the thing. She's not stabbing me with pencils at home anymore. So we're making progress. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is the low end of the totem pole yes. stuff. You know, we're working on connection and relationship and trying to help her develop herself so that she can be a functioning human. Then we'll worry about whether or not she can do division, you know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it totally. And and that's like it sounds so like absurd almost, but it's it's the truth and that's what it is. Like it, we'll get there when we get there and it, you got to try to build the the foundation, build those building blocks like on your your own and it's a uh, it's a wild wild ride. We're, hopefully we're going to get it down a little bit better, but uh <laughs> it's tough. You just got to keep pushing. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, there's a lot. That's to, what we're trying to do. There's a lot. There's a lot to be said for homeschooling. I think it gets to become more of an issue as they get older. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me was making sure that the kids that I had at home that were getting this break were also um, where I was building a foundation with them, knowing that eventually I was going to bring my daughter home or whatever child it was at the time. I knew eventually I was going to bring that child home, so I was kind of trying to set the stage for when that would happen so that the other kids would feel more peace about it. Um, and then I could bring, you know, and I think one of the biggest things too, for us right now, at least, is that when you have these kids who are developing normally, and then you have this child who has dismaturity. So one minute she's 11 years old and happy and, and, and having appropriate speech and everything. And the next minute she's crying like a two-year-old toddler and, you know, trying to help them to understand why she does these things, but then also trying to, um, make sure I can meet her needs at home as well. It's, it's hard. It's a, it's a, it really is just juggling. Yeah. When you were homeschooling them, how, how did that go? How, how was that dynamic when you had everybody at home and you have somebody that's um, needs more attention, needs, needs more, um, I don't know, supervision. So, uh, so one of the things that was really big for me with homeschooling, my, um, my adopted kids was, um, making sure that I set the stage in my home for the kids, um, making sure that that was a priority first, um, making sure that their nutrition was on, on par. So they were eating whole foods, lots of protein, lower, no sugar. We gave them supplements, all of them. We had smoothies almost every day. Um, I was trying to make sure they were getting enough sleep that they were learning how to do a quiet time, which is huge. I'd start that now teaching them how to be quiet because they're so chaotic. And that was a big thing for us was how can I teach this child just to be quiet? It's okay to listen. I'm a loud, rambunctious person. I had to learn 
to be quiet and just, you know, almost like meditation quiet. Um, one thing we got our daughter that really helped when we brought her home was a, a child's Fitbit. I think I paid 30 bucks for it on Amazon, but it works great. It hooks up through an app on my phone and it helps her regulate her own breathing. It helps her regulate her own activity. She's like, wow, I've only done 4,500 steps today. I better go run around. <laughs> so she's getting more activity and then it helps us see how much she's sleeping at night because it, it keeps track of all that. So then she's helping me help her. And she thinks it's fantastic. So we had to get one for another kid because they loved it. But just, I mean, setting that whole environment, we have, you know, low clutter in our home, anything that kind of de-stresses your whole family, especially primarily, usually it's the wife. Um, you know, how much cleaning is she doing every day just to maintain? And with 12 kids, it was a lot, you know, how much, I, yeah. how much laundry is she doing? So I started getting into minimalism. Okay, what can I give away that that won't make the kids feel at odds. You know, I still wanted them to feel at home um, yeah. and then educating myself, but go ahead. What were you going to say? It, it, no, it, <laughs> I, I think it's funny. Cause that's like, that's what has, has happened here. Um, just getting rid of all sorts of stuff, paring down. What do we need? What don't you need? Um, you can't spend your day cleaning it, when you're chasing them around. <laughs> but, and that's what's, that's what's amazing. Like, so they, they go to school now and um, the house is like, you know, really nice. And then they come home in the afternoon. It's just, it's tough to stay on top of it. It really is. Yeah. It is one of those things that we're, I think because these, these kind of kids come from a place of chaos or there's, that's how they learn to get attention. Um, you know, that's, that's normal. And, and trying to break those habits is, uh, difficult to to maintain your sanity while while doing it at least that's what i've found so far yeah <laughs> but, but using uh, this time of having them in school it's not a bad idea if you think you're going to homeschool in the future it's not a bad idea to treat this as like a pregnancy time and just prepare yourself and prepare your home for when they are home again yeah well and that's that's the plan um is to to get them um homeschooled eventually and i think uh and so and i i'm curious to get your, your take on this. I feel like sometimes it's, um, trying to, when you're homeschooling, um, you know, you're, you're in that role of, of parent and, and teacher at the same time. And, um, like our, our bio kids, like we've established those roles. We, we know, you know, what's acceptable as, as a student and what's acceptable as, as my child. And, you know, I, I'm not sure that we get those roles yet, uh, for, for our adopted kids. Um, did you find any of that? Like at all? Did you ever struggle with any of trying to differentiate those, those things? Um, I guess I, I, so for me, unschooling was a big deal. I love unschooling and I unschooled my kids until they were about 10 because I felt like getting them healthy mentally was more important and getting them up to par developmentally was more important than um, trying to fit some curriculum into our day because then I would get just upset and they would get upset. And then it just, you know, I always felt like we were behind. And so that fit really well for all of our kids is we just pretty much unschooled them, but we had to use some sort of um, a schedule. So as far as like unschooling, it wasn't, it wasn't unparenting, it was unschooling. And so we were still reading out loud together. We were still playing outside all the time outside was a big deal. Um, 
I was still teaching them how to rest and we called it, I called it deer, which, um, everybody calls it drop everything and read. I call it drop everything and reconnect. And I had timers set on my phone every day for like every two or three hours. I would just reconnect with each kid, make sure they were all doing how they were supposed to be doing. I don't mean I didn't see them for two or three hours. Wouldn't that be right. nice? I, <laughs> it was just that I knew that, okay, I got to go make sure that they're doing, they're mentally healthy at that moment and that we're still connecting. Um, but that was, but just having some sort of a routine every day because consistency is such a huge deal. And I think that's why our kids thrive in school because there's such a consistency to their day and homeschoolers don't typically have that. We get up when we feel like getting up. We get up, you know, we have lunch when we feel like having lunch, you know, second, third and fourth lunch. We, I mean, <laughs> why do they eat so much? I just, why do they eat so much when they're home? Uh, I know. I know. It, it's uh, it, and that's, that's a curious thing, you know, like, when you're homeschooling, right, there's, there's a schedule to a degree, you know, you get up, you, you do some work right. and, you know, but uh, you're, you're right. Like adopted kids need, they need some of, of that structure. They need to know like what's going to happen. Um, and, and when they don't, it, it can be scarier or cause more, I don't know, chaos in their heads. I, I feel like I've seen it before, you know, where, we have to know what's happening next. What are we doing next? Um, or what did, what did, even just, what did we just do? Um, that's always a, a curious question. But, um, so when you, when you did, uh, I guess what, what caused you to get away from unschooling and do more of a curriculum or did you? Well, I, 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 um, I like to say I met Charlotte Mason. Um, when I first started homeschooling, my oldest was, I think he was four or five. Um, and, I fell in love with Charlotte Mason and what everything that she, everything that she presented as a way to parent to, I mean, she was a fantastic parent educator um, as far as education and all that being outdoors, reading good books, um, having the kids narrate instead of testing them, all of, all of everything that she espoused. I don't know if you know anything about her. But I felt like that was a perfect fit for my kids because my kids didn't need to be sitting at the table doing worksheets and all that. They needed to talk to me. We needed to connect all the time. So, you know, having them tell me back a story that we had just read, um, having them draw while they're sitting next to me. Those were all, I felt like, I felt like her whole premise of homeschooling was connection based. And so I kind of ran with that. But what we, what we ended up doing is we ended up doing a Charlotte Mason-ish homeschooling in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I call it our Reggio Emilia afternoon, <laughs> where they do, um, in Northern Italy, in Reggio Emilia, they do project-based schooling for the younger kids. And I found that fantastic for the older kids as well. So it's, it's basically interest-led. So it's, it's unschooling, but you strew things around the environment that they're interested in, and you allow them to go there, and then you just kind of continue to build a scaffolding underneath them as they're continuing to learn what they're interested in. So for instance, our son who's um, 20, he um, took, he saw his older sisters doing um, Highland dancing and he was like, oh, I want to do that. He was the one we adopted at age two. He wanted to do that. So we put him in that, let him try it a couple of times. Then he said, no, I want to try tap. So we put him in tap. Then he said, actually, I want to try ballet. And we went, oh, because my husband's a football guy. <laughs> we were like, what? So we put him in ballet and you know where he is right now? <laughs> He's a dancer with Miami City Ballet. 
Wow. Who knew? I mean, That's, who yeah, right? knew this little kid was going to do this? But we just kind of continued to build the scaffolding underneath him of his desires and his wants along with, you know, we still did all of our, they got history. They got all that stuff because we were reading so much. So I felt like they were getting this really meaty education, um, but we weren't really doing school. We were just kind of living. It was very natural, which is huge. Yeah, it, it is. And I really like, that's that's one of, I think our goals try to do more of that. Like we do a lot of project stuff, yeah. but we're still kind of stuck on having having something to, to show for it beyond just, you know, building a chicken tractor beyond just, you know, replacing a, a valve here or there on, on plumbing, you know, that sort of stuff that is all, you know, things that you learn and, and you can build off of later in life if that's, you know, what you want to do. Um, and it's, it's tough to get out of that for me. I think I, like I, I went to school to be a teacher and so I'm just kind of like in line with that, but, um, yeah, that's hard to get away you, from. Yeah. How was it? Were you just like able to get away from that at the beginning? Was it, did you ever try anything other than than that? Did you try like a, a hardline curriculum? Curriculum. We did in the very beginning. We used Rod and Staff a little bit just for like spelling. I mean, I've pretty much tried every curriculum, but not like I would never buy the huge package. I would buy something here or there, like grammar or spelling or whatever. And we just always came back to, you know, they're learning a ton of spelling through writing letters. We have a journal every day and I call it their joy found journal. They have to find some joy out of the day, um, out of the day before. And then they write about that and we look at their spell. I don't like go through there with a red pen, but you right, know, yeah. I look at their spelling and stuff and I, I see where they're at and I go, Oh, you need a comma here. You need a period here, that kind of stuff. But that's how my older kids learned my daughter. Who's 26 now who lives in Uganda, she started a children's home. Well, she took over a children's home about four years ago. And then we founded Wildflowers International together. And so we have a children's home. We have some more projects we're working on. And we have a, um, an education scholarship. So that puts 21 kids in school this year. So it's small, but it's what we felt like we were supposed to do. But, but she, was, she was Charlotte Mason, unschooled, project-based schooled the entire way through. And when she was 17, she said, I need to go to Uganda. And we went, what? And I felt like she was just trying to get away from all of her brothers and sisters. <laughs> so she, there she went. She, he took her until she turned 18. She came back and then she went back again. And then she came back and got her EMT. Then she went back. And then um, now she's been there for four years this time. And she's, you know, finishing her degree in, she's almost done with her degree in social work, you know, and she's fostering a couple kids. So... That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a great story. I mean, and, and a lot of that was too, you know what she wanted to do during the day? She wanted to read missionary biographies. That's what she did when she was younger. She wanted to look at nursing stuff. She wanted to dissect things. This was all her thing. And so we kind of went, okay. Yeah. You know, and she wrote a it's, lot. So that's cool. That's, that's neat. I think one, one of the hangups, I think, with the unschooling, um, you know, is, we, when you look at adults or, or uh, people in, in the workforce or, you know, general public, um, they've been through school and, and this is what we need to, to do. And this, this system works, uh, you know, whether, whether public school actually works or not, but this is what gets you there. And so to, to take on this unschooling thing that, uh, you know, I'm going to let my kid kind of figure out 
you know, what they need to do or what they need to learn or, or you know, that, that idea, however it's caged from, from the outside. It's, it's daunting. You know, I, I don't like, kid to be 18 and be this vegetable that, that can't do anything. Um, and I think trying to, to <laughs> convince yourself that like, that's, that's not going to happen like that, that really, you know, um, I do it, find it's... unschooling harder for adopted kids. I feel like, and I haven't done any research into this, but I feel like, um, they don't have the capability to imagine. Um, I don't know about your kids, but I, I know that my kids are very needy. They expect me to be their cruise director. And so, or they expect someone else to be their cruise director. So they don't, they can't just initiate play. Most of them, not all of them. And so they're, they're not as free thinking. They don't have that initiative. They, they just don't have an imagination. We had a, one of them though, who had an imagination, but her imagination kind of crossed over into reality. So she would get confused. Okay about what she, and she has um, FASD, but she would get confused about what was real and what was, what was not. And she's written probably 200 novels that she's never had published. Yeah. So that it went somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, and actually yeah. she's in her last term to be a special ed teacher. And when we got her, her IQ was 69. So, I mean, it works. So, and she's on the president's list for high grades. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh that's cool it, it's interesting you say that about the the play because that's something we've been watching um and it's developed you know it's it, the play has developed but not to that six-year-old level um and it, it's it's interesting to be thinking about that I, I i will be thinking about that um i guess i'm saying I'm don't curious. worry about it um that's why yeah. i gravitate towards charlotte mason because with charlotte mason it's she's definitely not an unschooler she's a but she's also not a classic schooler so it's not, it's not learning rhetoric and logic and all that stuff, which I think you need to learn, but that usually comes through conversation and really good books and all of that. But I, I felt like for her, it was, um, it's laying this feast out for your kids, you know, of we're going to read Robin Hood and we're going to read, you know, something about, um, uh, George Washington Carver and, and we're going to study birds or whatever. And then you kind of see what they like, you know? Um, what they're interested in. And then I would just, you know, I had a kid who was so interested in, in birds that we spent several, several days out at a cemetery, just bird watching because that's what he was into. And so it's, it's laying that whole feast out. So we're not doing nothing, you know, we're doing a lot. We're just allowing them to see what's out there. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really what it is. But I think, you know, like when you look from the outside and it's, that's what it's, it, it, it's, it's nothing because it's not, you don't have a test to show for it at the end of the day. You don't have, you know, all that, all that stuff that we've have put so much meaning on. And, and when you boil it all down, learning, learning through life experiences is worth so much more. Um, you know, it's just trying to tear yourself away from those standards that have been boiled into you. But anything, uh, last question here, Any, anything you would have, uh, well, I guess you're still doing it. Anything you've drastically changed from, from the beginning to, to the way you do now that you wish you did in the beginning? Um, I've always been pretty easygoing. So I think, I think for the most part, I've given myself a lot more grace and I used to be very, in fact, every time we'd go to therapy with a couple of our kiddos, the therapist would say to me every week, you're not going to fix them. You're not going to fix them. It isn't your job to fix them. And I would go, yes, it is. It's not your job to fix them. You're not going to fix them. And sure enough, the two children she was talking about, I couldn't quote fix, you know, they ended up doing their own thing when they became adults. Luckily they waited until then, but 
you know, but, but those two girls are also capable and working and driving their own cars and they're just very chaotic. (laughs) But, um, I, I think I just mainly, I would have listened to my gut more. Um, I felt like with my oldest kids that I was trying more to be their friend and that's a huge mistake. And I know that my mom used to say that to me, I'm not your friend, but I always wanted to be their friend because I love them and I want them to like me. So that was, that's something that I would definitely go back on. Something we did schooly this year that's a little different than I've ever done is I decided that my kids weren't really into their nature journals and they weren't really into this or that. So what I did with these last four youngins is I bought these um, sketchbooks that are bound like a book. They're pretty thick. They're heavyweight paper. I think it's 160 pages. Um, can't be that many. Anyway, I bought these and um, what we're doing with them is we're putting everything in it from the year. So we've been traveling all summer. Right now we're in Alabama and we're planning to go to Uganda as soon as we can, but they are putting in their, you know, their museum passes, um, stickers from places we visited, their history timelines going in there. We're studying ancient history. So their little timeline pictures and stuff are getting pasted in there, pictures of their friends everything that we've done so far is going in these books and they have little wraparound elastic things and they just put it away. And so it's, I call it their yearbook. It's their, it's the book of their year. And so they can open it up and that's, it's easy for me because it's one thing you keep track of. It's easy for them because if they have a big project, we can just take a picture of it and put it in the book. Um, and it's easy for, if somebody should happen to say to me, cause I'm from Washington state, Hey, where's your kids work? I can, here's their portfolio, you know, <laughs> call it what you want. But, um, I think that makes it, I think when you can see everything that they are doing, then you worry less about everything they aren't doing. Um, so that's incredibly helpful. So I, I like that. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. Let's try something uh, yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, um, I know you mentioned uh, wildflowers there. Um, what else? What else you got going on? What is what is wildflowers? Where, where can we? What is so this? wildflowersinternational.org is our website with an S on wildflowers, and uh, my daughter named it. And it's based off of Luke twelve twenty seven, um, how he closed the wildflowers, and um, you know how much he cares for us and how much he cares for the orphans. And we're really into ethical orphan care. You know, cutting off orphans at the knees, basically. Okay. Not literally. Basically, <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> no, basically. So we're, we're working on a project that I'm not really supposed to mention yet, but we're trying to help some okay. younger mamas right. who are pregnant in, in Uganda and unable to care for their children because it's a lot more difficult over there than it is for single mothers here. Although it's difficult for them too, but it's, it's, it's very different. So we're trying to help them go to trade school and stuff and kind of make it so that there are less orphans in that area where we're working. Um, And then we have Wildflowers Spokane, which is in my hometown of Spokane, Washington. And we are, we have a group there of about 170 families that are active and connecting. And that's my, I started that about five years ago. And that's my rule. You got to be active and you got to be connected. You can't get help and encouragement and education from other mothers and connecting your kids together if you don't connect with each other. So um, that's what we're trying to do. It is true. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. very, yeah. very true. Very true. <laughs> and homeschooling adoptive children too. That's a fantastic, I, I co-moderate that and that's a fantastic resource. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll, uh, I'll put all those links in the, in the show notes. Um, I don't know. Any, anything else? Any, I think, I think we covered it all. Anything, anything I, I missed that you want to get out there? 
I don't think so. I think we're good. All right. <laughs> I, I think All it's right. important just for people to understand that um, kids who have been through the foster care system, have been adopted, have been neglected and abused, are kids with biological behaviors. They're not trying to be terrible people. They're just mm-hmm. terribly hard to raise. <laughs> yeah. But, but yep. you know, we need to give ourselves lots of grace and we need to give them heaps of grace. Yeah. And it can be hard to see out of that bubble sometimes. It really can. You know, yeah. It really can. So. Yeah. I I appreciate it. I'll put all those links in the show notes and uh, encourage people to to check it out. And if they're anybody's actually thinking about getting involved in foster care and stuff, maybe yeah, yeah, they're welcome to contact me too. Find some stuff there. Okay, good deal. deal. (laughs) Thank Thank you. you. Bye bye. All right, guys, that was Nicole. She's pretty awesome, right? Very, very impressive. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I don't know, what else, what else do I have to say? Really, really hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, what do I tell you to do at the end of every show, I guess? Uh, go go leave a review on, on iTunes or wherever it is you leave reviews. Go click through homesteadsandhomeschools.com slash Amazon. Click through the link and go buy all your jazzy jazz on Amazon. If you feel so inclined, go over to patreon.com slash the Liberty Hippie and you can help me out there. And otherwise, just just go out and enjoy yourself. Just do something positive, something healthy. Uh, make people around you happier, I guess. I don't know. Do something. Do something nice for people, uh, even if they suck. You know, sometimes doing something nice for people can uh, change them around. Maybe just a little bit. I don't know. Anyway, guys, get out there, sow those seeds of liberty, and we can all reap sheaves of freedom together.